Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in one, two, three. Now out one, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Above the city hall was a patch of darkness a cone of gloom denser than the surrounding night, a prism of black that spread out and was lost into the sky. He listened. Good God, he could hear something, something that made him struggle frantically to close his ears, his mind to shut out the sound, a buzzing, a distant muted hum like a great swarm of bees. Voice gazed up, rigid with horror, the splotch of darkness hanging over the city hall. Darkness so thick it seemed almost solid. In the vortex something moved, flickering shapes, things descending from the sky, pausing momentarily above the city hall, fluttering over it in a dense swarm and then dropping silently onto the roof. Shapes. Fluttering shapes from the sky from the crack of darkness that hung above him. He was seeing them.
For a long time, Lois watched, crouched behind a sagging fence in a pool of scummy water. They were landing, coming down in groups, landing on the roof of the city hall and disappearing inside. They had wings, like giant insects of some kind. They flew and fluttered and came to rest, and then crawled crab fashion sideways across the roof and into the building. He was sickened and fascinated. Cold night wind blew around him and he shuddered. He was tired, dazed with shock. On the front steps of the city hall were men standing here and there. Groups of men coming out of the building and halting for a moment before going on. Were there more of them? It didn't seem possible. What he saw descending from the black chasm weren't men. They were alien from some other world, some other dimension. Sliding through this slit, this break in the shell of the universe. Entering through this gap, winged insects from another realm of being. On the steps of the city hall, a group of men broke up. A few moved toward a waiting car. One of the remaining shapes started to re-enter the city hall. It changed its mind and turned to follow the others. Lois closed his eyes in horror. His senses reeled. He hung on tight, clutching at the sagging fence. The shape, the man-shape, had abruptly fluttered up and flapped after the others. It flew to the sidewalk and came to rest among them. Pseudo-men. Imitation men. Insects with ability to disguise themselves as men. Like other insects familiar to Earth. Protective coloration. Mimicry. Lois pulled himself away. He got slowly to his feet. It was night. The alley was totally dark. But maybe they could see in the dark. Maybe darkness made no difference to them. He left the alley cautiously and moved out onto the street. Men and women flowed past, but not so many now. At the bus stop stood waiting groups. Lois relaxed a little. He studied the people around him. Dulled, tired faces. People going home from work. Quite ordinary faces. None of them paid any attention to him. All sat quietly, sunk down in their seats, jiggling with the motion of the bus. The man sitting next to him unfolded a newspaper. He began to read the sports section, his lips moving. An ordinary man. Blue suit. Tie. A businessman. Or salesman. On his way home to his wife and family. Across the aisle, a young woman, perhaps twenty. Dark eyes and hair. A package on her lap. Nylons and heels. Red coat and white Angora sweater. Gazing absently ahead of her. A high school boy in jeans and black jacket. A great triple-chinned woman with an immense shopping bag loaded with packages and parcels. Her thick face dim with weariness. Ordinary people. The kind that rode the bus every evening. Going home with their minds dead. Controlled. Filmed over with the mask of an alien being that had appeared and taken possession of them, their town, their lives. Himself, too. Except that he happened to be deep in his cellar instead of in the store. Somehow he had been overlooked. 
they had missed him. Their control wasn't perfect, foolproof. Maybe there were others. Hope flickered in Lois. They weren't omnipotent. They had made a mistake, not got control of him. Their net, their field of control, had passed over him. He had emerged from his cellar as he had gone down. Apparently, their power zone was limited. A few seats down the aisle, a man was watching him. Lois broke off his chain of thought. A slender man with dark hair and a small mustache. Well-dressed, brown suit and shiny shoes. A book between his small hands. He was watching Lois, studying him intently. He turned quickly away. Lois tensed. One of them? Or another they had missed? The man was watching him again. Small dark eyes, alive and clever. Shrewd. A man too shrewd for them. Or one of the things itself, an alien insect from beyond. The bus halted. An elderly man got on slowly and dropped his token into the box. He moved down the aisle and took a seat opposite Lois. The elderly man caught the sharp-eyed man's gaze. For a split second, something passed between them. A look rich with meaning. Lois got to his feet. The bus was moving. He ran to the door, one step down into the well. He yanked the emergency door release. The rubber door swung open. Hey! The driver shouted, jamming on the brakes. What the hell? Lois squirmed through. The bus was slowing down. Houses on all sides. A residential district, lawns, and tall apartment buildings. Behind him, the bright-eyed man had leaped up. The elderly man was also on his feet. They were coming after him. Lois leaped. He hit the pavement with terrific force and rolled against the curb. Pain lapped over him. Pain and a vast tide of blackness. Desperately, he fought it off. He struggled to his knees and then slid down again. The bus had stopped. People were getting off. Lois groped around. His fingers closed over something. A rock lying in the gutter. He crawled to his feet, grunting with pain. A shape loomed before him. A man, the bright-eyed man with the book. Lois kicked. The man gasped and fell. Lois brought the rock down. The man screamed and tried to roll away. Stop! For God's sake, listen! He struck again. A hideous crunching sound. The man's voice cut off and dissolved in a bubbling wail. Lois scrambled up and back. The others were there now. All around him. He ran awkwardly down the sidewalk, up a driveway. None of them followed him. They had stopped and were bending over the inert body of the man with the book, the bright-eyed man who had come after him. Had he made a mistake? But it was too late to worry about that. He had to get out, away from them, out of Pikeville, beyond the crack of darkness, the rent between their world and his. Ed! Janet Lois backed away nervously. What is it? What? Ed Lois slammed the door behind him and came into the living room. Pull down the shades. Quick. Janet moved toward the window. But do as I say. Who else is here beside you? 
Nobody. Just the twins. They're upstairs in their room. What's happened? You look so strange. Why are you home? Ed locked the front door. He prowled around the house, into the kitchen. From the drawer under the sink, he slid out the big butcher knife and ran his finger along it. Sharp. Plenty sharp. He returned to the living room. Listen to me, he said. I don't have much time. Escaped? Janet's face twisted with bewilderment and fear. Who? The town has been taken over. They're in control. I've got it pretty well figured out. They started at the top at the city hall and police department. What they did with the real humans, they... What are you talking about? We've been invaded. From some other universe, some other dimension. They're insects, mimicry, and more. Power to control minds. Your mind. My mind? Their entrance is here, in Pikeville. They've taken over all of you. The whole town, except me. We're up against an incredibly powerful enemy, but they have their limitations. That's our hope. They're limited. They can make mistakes. Janet shook her head. I don't understand, Ed. You must be insane. Insane? No. Just lucky. If I hadn't been down in the basement, I'd be like all the rest of you. Lois peered out the window. But I can't stand here talking. Get your coat. My coat? We're getting out of here. Out of Pikeville. We've got to get help. Fight this thing. They can be beaten. They're not infallible. It's going to be close, but we may make it if we hurry. Come on. He grabbed her arm roughly. Get your coat and call the twins. We're all leaving. Don't stop to pack. There's no time for that. White-faced, his wife moved toward the closet and got down her coat. Where are we going? Ed pulled open the desk drawer and spilled the contents out onto the floor. He grabbed up a road map and spread it open. They'll have the highway covered, of course, but there's a back road. To Oak Grove, I got onto it once. It's practically abandoned. Maybe they'll forget about it. The old ranch road? Good Lord, it's completely closed. Nobody's supposed to drive over it. I know. Ed thrust the map grimly into his coat. That's our best chance. Now call down the twins and let's get going. Your car is full of gas, isn't it? Janet was dazed. The Chevy? I had it filled up yesterday afternoon. Janet moved toward the stairs. Ed, I... Call the twins. Ed unlocked the front door and peered out. Nothing stirred. No sign of life. All right so far. Come on downstairs, Janet called in a wavering voice. We're going out for a while. Now... Tommy's voice came. Hurry up, Ed barked. Get down here, both of you. Tommy appeared at the top of the stairs. I was doing my homework. We're starting fractions. Miss Parker says if we don't get this done, you can forget about fractions. Ed grabbed his son as he came down the stairs and propelled him toward the door. Where's Jim? He's coming. Jim started slowly down the stairs. What's up, Dad? We're going for a ride. A ride? Where? Well, leave the lights on and the TV set. Go turn it on. He pushed her toward the set. So they'll think we're still... He heard the buzz and dropped instantly the long butcher knife out. Sickened, he saw it coming down the stairs at him, wings a blur of motion as it aimed itself. It still bore a vague resemblance to Jimmy. It was small. A baby one. A brief glimpse. The thing hurtling at him, cold, multi-lensed in human eyes. Wings, bodies still clothed in yellow t-shirt and jeans. The mimic outline still stamped on it. 
a strange half-turn of its body as it reached him. What was it doing? A stinger. Lois stabbed wildly at it. It retreated, buzzing frantically. Lois rolled and crawled toward the door. Tommy and Janet stood still as statues, faces blank, watching without expression. Lois stabbed again. This time the knife connected. The thing shrieked and faltered. It bounced against the wall and fluttered down. Something lapped through his mind. A wall of force, energy, an alien mind probing into him. He was suddenly paralyzed. The mind entered his own, touched against him briefly, shockingly. An utter alien presence settling over him. And then it flickered out as the thing collapsed in a broken heap on the rug. It was dead. He turned it over with his foot. It was an insect, a fly of some kind. Yellow t-shirt, jeans. His son, Jimmy. He closed his mind tight. It was too late to think about that. Savagely, he scooped up his knife and headed toward the door. Janet and Tommy stood stone still, neither of them moving. The car was out. He'd never get through. They'd be waiting for him. It was ten miles on foot. Ten long miles over rough ground. Gullies and open fields and hills of uncut forest. He'd have to go alone. Lois opened the door. For a brief second, he looked back at his wife and son. Then he slammed the door behind him and raced down the porch steps. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.